of Row One Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, with a very special guest here this evening, Alex Wilson from Empire Sports Media, and uh, pleasure to have you on this afternoon, uh, this evening, I should say. Uh, how's everything going? Everything's great, man. Just enjoying this offseason, a little dead period in the NFL right now, but we're pushing through. I'm enjoying the rookie camp. We got some good players, and I'm super excited for this upcoming season, guys. It's a uh, it's been a while since I've been this optimistic. Joe Judge, our fearless leader, finally instilling some confidence <laughs> in this fan base. I feel good about it. Um, you know, everything's good, though. Weather is getting better. Allergies kicking my ass, but you know how it is. <laughs> of course. Alex, let me uh, – it's funny. The, the whole reason why you're here, really, is a fan of our podcast kind of called you out on Twitter mm-hmm. saying, you know what, you're biased. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that? I, I know – I saw the tweet and I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. We got to settle this. Let's try to settle this on the podcast. And here we are. So please, what's up with the biasness that I hear? I'm a huge fan of the Giants, man. I'm always going to have a bias towards the Giants. <laughs> that's just how it is. But again, I love having different opinions with people. You know, that's, that's the whole point of being a sports fan. You know, if you don't have different opinions with people, it's it, why do you even follow sports? Everyone has their different perspectives. And, and that's the best part about it, having conversation uh, with people. And I try to answer as many people as I can. A lot of people comment on my stuff, so I can't get to everybody. Um, but I like pretty much every single, every single tweet that's responding to me. And I try Same to have here. conversations, you know how it is. So, you know, it's fun. It's fun. And like, I, I never saw that before. No one's ever said that to me. So I was like, Whoa, like that was a new one. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't really care at the end of the day. We're all, we all love this team. This is our team where you'd be bleed blue. Um, we want them to succeed and we're all homers at the end of the day. And I'm excited. Excited to to you know talk to you guys and, and, and try and iron out you know that interesting quote in terms of right. um, I guess I'm not being objective enough but I'll be objective today. Dave Gettleman is probably at the heart of all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your Giants Twitter presence is is pretty strong. I know Jesse and I have been following you for a while, and you're kind of on the same page as us when it comes to the bias. And I enjoy seeing some of the positivity that you always spread. But Giants Twitter and, and Giants fans, it could be a dark place at times. And when things aren't going right, they'll be the first ones to tell you they'll jump down your throat on Twitter. And that's where we get a majority of debates from. And it's really just about us coming on here, giving a fr- breath of fresh air to things that we think might you know, be positive for the future or you know, shining light on things that we think might be an overreaction. So let's get into some things today. Um, I know that your Twitter is, is always blowing up with debates, but I wanted to obviously recap the draft. Um, We haven't done that yet on this podcast, but I think there's a ton of positivity that we got starting with our first round pick. So if you wanted to, you know, take the floor from there. Yeah. I mean, look, take it away. Kadarius Tony, man, that kid is a human joystick. I I didn't anticipate the giants getting him. I don't think anybody did. That was a crazy sequence of events. Dave Gettleman training back for the first time in eight drafts. You might've, you might've thought they might get him. It seems like, but (laughs) it's funny. I'll I'll tell you about it in a few, but keep going, please. Yeah. I mean, look, Kadarius Tony 
And this is what Gettleman said, really. He was like, we wanted to get pass rush help. We wanted to get secondary help. We wanted to provide Daniel Jones with a few more weapons. They managed to do that with Kenny Galladay in free agency, John Ross. Of course, you got Saquon coming back, and now you have Kadarius Toney, who human joystick, the guy, is so hard to bring down um, in the open field. I think he had a 35% missed tackle rate last year. Incredible statistics in terms of being able to make the first yeah. tackler miss. Just an incredible athlete, a superior athlete who, when you add to our football team, he's a home run hitter. He's a, he's a touchdown maker is what Dave Gettleman would call him. And when you have that type of talent, you know, it's about maximizing it now. We've had a lot of good players in the past. Our coaching staff just couldn't handle them. Like OBJ, great talent. He didn't have the discipline. You know, so many great yeah. players, Landon Collins even, the pass, the pass coverage never really got there. But I feel like with our coaching staff now, we have more, we have the biggest coaching staff in the NFL we had our rookie camp last week. We had 22 players there. We had 25 coaches. So now we have yeah. coaches evaluating every intricate detail, looking at every individual player and making sure that we maximize the potential that we have on this team. Uh, Judge said it during that little uh, Giants like trailer on, on Twitter today. He was like, we had six picks. You know, It's like going hunting with one arrow. You have to make them all count. You have to make them count. Is that what he said? I didn't see that. Yeah, I it was that. awesome. It was, a, it was an amazing that. quote. And I was like, this guy gets it, you know, like he took those six picks and him and, and Gettleman, you know, obviously Gettleman's never traded back. So I imagine judge had a say in this. Um, and he really, they turned six picks into two more this year, a future one next year. First round next year. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, I assume. And you know, th that's, that's really the, the thing. You didn't just get Kadarius Tony at 11. You got a first round pick, a fourth round as a first, a fourth, a fifth. Fourth, and, and a fifth third, too. Yeah. And Kadarius Tony at 11. So when you yeah. think about it that way, that's a freaking home run. I can't say it any better than that. I, I, to I totally agree. It's funny. So I was listening to Eric and I had a podcast uh, probably a week and a half. I guess, how long ago was the draft? Was it two weeks ago? Pre-draft. We, yeah. yeah, we had a pre-draft podcast, whatever it was. And I was listening to it. And I was like, I heard myself say, I was like, you know what? There's some you know, great receivers that you probably could get in the second round. I was like, maybe Terrace Marshall. I was like, Kadarius Tony. I was like, wait, did I? I was like, hold on. And then we obviously we drafted him. And I was under the impression that, you know what, the Giants are, they can target this guy, you know, at 36 or, or 35, wherever they were drafting. And obviously, you know, trading back, getting him at 20, you saw Urban Meyer say that, oh, it broke our heart not grabbing him. And it seems like there's a lot of hype around this kid. And, and you know, he's not Odell. He's not that type of player. I think he's much more like the Percy Harvin type or something like that, where, you know, he could be the, the jackknife that the Giants – Honestly, I, I don't know the last time the Giants have had a guy like that. They, they didn't use Odell like, you know, Percy Harvin was used. So I don't even know if the Giants have ever had a player like Kadarius Toney. It's, it's really crazy. Plus, with the draft capital, I think they're in really great shape. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree to that, too. Also, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty pissed that we missed Devonta Smith. I mean, I thought that that yeah, was you were. my guy. Um, I wanted Waddle or I wanted Smith and then seeing him right there for the taking and then having the Eagles jump in front of us was, I was pissed. Like I, I was devastated that, you are pissed. It, that it had to be yeah. them um, because that, that looked soft. Like at the Giants, that was clear that that was who we wanted at 11 and to let two teams within our division who we hate jump us, that was frustrating. Um, and then once I kind of took everything in, saw what we got for, you know, to move back nine. You were, you were freaking out. And I was like, yo, look what we and got here. You know, like, even as good as Smith could be, he could, he could put up numbers no matter – he could put up Odell Beckham-type numbers for the first two, three years in Philly. You would still rather have Tony and another first-round talent, right? I mean, we just saw that with Odell. As good as he was, he was the best player we had. 
but we traded him for a safety and another first round pick in Dexter Lawrence. And I think, uh, especially, especially now, where the bears pick is going to go, you know, so now you're getting a, in, an insanely stacked draft class next year. Who knows where that pick could be. It could very likely be in the top 10. And, yeah, you know, you take another stud as you, you were trying to build back to those Super Bowl winning ways, which I think we're headed towards. And you have to keep in the back of your mind, if Daniel Jones can't take the next step, we now have two first-round picks to load up to, to solve the most important issue in sports, and that's having a quarterback. So that was my take. And I, I th- – no, no, and you're 100% right. And I think that's – you know what? Say what? Say all you want about Daniel Jones. I'm a Daniel Jones believer. Uh, Alex, I think you are too. Um, Eric, I know you are. But, you know, say all you want about Daniel Jones. He's had some – I'm with you. I'm with you. Trust me. I'm, I'm banging my fist on the table just like you are. But – Let's be honest. You know, he's had an up and down career. So if Daniel Jones comes out this year, you know, no excuses. You hear it all over Giants Twitter. I know you hear it. You say it too. If he comes out this year and he's flat, the Giants are thinking about a quarterback next year. Like, let's understand that. And this gives them that safety blanket to, you know, move into the top five if they have to take another one of their guys. Yeah, you know, and Eric, you know, you talked about, you know, Devonta Smith going to Philly. And I'll tell you what. I wanted Devonta Smith as much as the next guy. I wanted Waddle as much as the next guy. And seeing Devonta yeah. Smith go to Philadelphia and Micah Parsons go to Dallas, that was heartbreaking. Like, absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. Um, but we walked away with way better. And you see Devonta Smith, the guy doesn't even look like he wants to be in Philly. He's dropping passes. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. He does not look like he wants to be there. I mean, him and Waddle both publicly said they preferred um, uh, Mac Jones throwing the ball over Jalen Hurts. So it's like and that's and which is absolutely hilarious to me. So it's like, you know, you're looking at these guys who I guess Waddle is in a good spot, but he's a little awkward now at Tua because Miami I actually think will be good. But Philly's like in the gutter. They ruin receivers. That's all they do. They just ruin receivers. And Jalen Rager, like who knows what he'll oh. be. Devonta Smith. Yeah. Who knows? Like if, if Devonta Smith was in blue, I'd be like, he's going to be, he's going to be a pro bowl player, but cause he's in, He's in green. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know bias, well, what he's going to do the in the future. <laughs> There's, There's the bias. There's the showing up, though. I hate Devonta Smith now. I loved him like two weeks ago, but I hate him now. <laughs> Eric, on the podcast, um, you know, last podcast, Eric said, he's like, we're going Devonta Smith. I actually was under the impression. I was like, you know what? I think the Giants are going to go Mika Parsons. That's what I thought. I thought they were just going to continue to build the defense. That, and listen, I would have been happy with that. But I, I don't know. I don't, have you seen any of these interviews with Mika? He looks – he's, like, co- too cocky for me. He has he – he's so Dallas. He Dallas cra- he's so Dallas. It's crazy. So crazy. He really is. He fits their, their like, style and their atmosphere. Yeah. Like, he has that, that moxie about him that's, like, okay. He like does. He, he does. He should be in Dallas. But, again, like, they went, you know, pretty heavily defensively in this draft because they realized their secondary is Swiss cheese. Exactly. So and their pass rush, they have Demarcus Lawrence, but aside from that, they lost all of the Smith. Um, you know, they could have some issues on, on that defensive side of the ball. But I think the Giants, you know, that draft pick next year is what gets me hyped because Chicago, and I want to talk about that for a second too with you guys. Like, yeah, what do you guys think do. about Chicago? The, obviously, Andy Dalton is their starter for, to start. We'll see. Maybe Justin Fields takes the job from him. But I, their schedule is tough. If you've seen it, they have like one of the hardest schedules in the, in the NFL. And they could easily lose like – 12 to 15 games like somewhere in that range i don't think they'll lose 15 i think they'll probably lose around 10 to 12 games yeah um which would still land us like a 10 to 15 pick probably probably in the 10 to 12 range um like like the giants kind of landed it last year but i'm i'm just hyped for that because like you said before 
the Giants like accidentally walked into Daniel Jones's contingency plan with this with this uh, trade back. Like, and, they but you know accidentally what? Accidentally, were like, it's great. It's the best yeah. case scenario for them. But I, you know what? I happen to think that it might not have been so accidentally. Honestly, I really do think that the Giants and and with the Joe Judge effect that you know him and Gettleman kind of sat down and said, you know what? If this isn't the guy you know, let's go get that capital where we can get in the top five and go get the, the quarterback of the future. I want Daniel Jones to be the guy just as much as the next person, you know. He's got the Duke ties and the Cutcliffe, but, like, if he's not, you got to be prepared to, to move on. Like, the, this league moves fast. Daniel Jones is not going to be on this rookie deal forever. You know, he's not going to be uh, throwing 11 touchdowns and just being handed a starting job in the NFL. Guys are throwing 40 left and right. So this contingency plan for me is best case scenario for the Giants. The way they came out of the draft, best case scenario for sure. Look what Denver just did. Denver just went and got Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Drew Locke. You know what I mean? Like they're, they've been in talks with yeah. Aaron Rodgers. They're like, screw Drew Locke. You know, we'll, we'll bring in competition. We don't care. And I think that's what the Giants should be 100%. doing too. I, and I think there's proof to say we just did a video on Daniel Jones and why we think he is capable of being a great quarterback. And he's got the tangible traits, right? Like he can run guys, vanilla Vic, the guy can take off 80 yards and stumble. If he doesn't stumble, he's going to the house yeah. mm-hmm. and he can throw the ball accurately. His downfield accuracy is pretty very Like he can do that. Um, his I think short he's got field, a good like, arm. Good. He does. And we, and I found a few clips of him on his back foot, like literally leaning backward, just arming it across the field just throwing Shepard away, like on an open body. It was a ridiculous throw. And it kind of disproved everyone that says like he has a bad arm. And I think he has the traits. It's the mental processing that sometimes gets a little bit uh, foggy because yeah. there was a lot of things that happened last year and really in his rookie season that are forcing him to get a little foggy with his processing and, and the ability to go through his reads. Because when your offensive line is young, they're inexperienced and you have no weapons to work with, like think about it. We had an undrafted free agent receiver starting by the midseason point. That's a pretty good indication you don't have many weapons to work with. And then in, and then in uh, his rookie season, we had John Hillman, another UDFA, starting at running a, running back against the Patriots. That was it, that was such a bad time with the Giants. The way it, it couldn't time. even just – horrible. It really was. So, so to exactly. talk, That's before Judge was there. On those Daniel Jones traits, obviously, yes, we know he could sling it. He could run. We've seen it. I mean, rookie year, he was—he almost had one of the best rookie years you can have as a QB. But let's face it, the guy makes bonehead decisions a lot that cost you the game. He tur- he's very yeah. turnover prone. I don't want to call him injury prone, but there's a lot of nah, needs that, that he, he needs to get better at to be an NFL quarterback, especially for our team, because it, he's got the yeah. keys. He's got the talent. And that's, that's the mental processing. That's part. the only concern yeah. that I have for Daniel Jones at this point. I know better than anybody that he is a stud when it comes to physical talent. But if he's going to, you know, like I was watching highlights from the, from the big plays from last season and there was no highlights in the fourth quarter because that's when he's turning the ball over at key moments in key games that cost us ultimately that playoff spot. And yeah. I just don't think he's going to have the leash this year with the roster we have to continue to make those mistakes. So yes, as you alluded to, Joe Judge and the other 25 coaches that we have could hopefully get him to that next level. And, um, you know, I'm obviously hoping and willing that he does. And I think he will. I, I think the leash, though, the leash is this year, though. You know, Jones could play just how he played last year. If he's playing bad, he's the starter. You know, they're not starting Glennon or some – right. that doesn't make sense, though. You know, obviously Jones gives them the best chance to win. But, you know, after this year, then you're starting to talk about, you know, if he – there's no progress – with a Pro Bowl wide receiver in Kenny Galladay, uh, a good tight end in Kyle Rudolph, but great in the red zone, a 
pro bowler and Evan Ingram, call him whatever you want. I'm not, you know, I'll put those in quotations for now. Um, Saquon, Saquon's back. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shep. I, I mean, Tony, like how many more guys could the Gi- the Giants haven't had these type of like weapons? I don't. I honestly don't know the last time the Giants have had this many weapons on the team, and it definitely hasn't been in the last ten years. Odell, that's a fact. Crew, no way. That's a fact. There's no way. I mean, even Saquon and Galladay by themselves are the two most, two of the most talented guys we've almost ever had. And then you had Tony, you had Ingram and Rudolph and Shep. Like, there's so many guys. If he doesn't succeed this year, it's like, how how much longer are you gonna you know let this guy go? It's going in year four, so we'll see. Yeah, I think that's there's a reason to be objective when it comes to DJ. You know, I, I, I want to be. be optimistic, but also at the same time, he needs to show us the fumble issues are behind him. He needs to show us that even with weapons, he can go through those reads and make good throws because last year, even when he had a clean pocket, he did not look comfortable all the time. And I looked yeah. at him during the weeks um, 9, 10, and 11. I watched those full games this past week. And what I saw was he's a very momentum-based quarterback. When he's playing well, he gets better every game. He didn't turn the Absolutely. ball over at least 9 and 10. And then the injury happened against Cincinnati, and, and his progression just took a, took a nosedive. So if he starts strong this preseason, having live practice, live preseason, extra game, I think he's really going to pick it up. The Giants, if he stays healthy – um, and the Giants stay relatively healthy, they're going to be okay. And I think Daniel Jones, um, as long as the, the scheme is is good and the route concepts are adequate and it's really Jason Garrett doesn't absolutely torch him, I think we're going to be okay. But I like that one guy they signed, Russ Calloway from LSU. The guy was at Orgeron called him their secret weapon. And Russ Calloway essentially came from SEC, came from Samford, and the guy led one of the best offenses in the SEC, like one of the most lucrative, high-scoring offense. He comes from an air raid or air Coriel style system. He's going to come here and adapt this offense to what Kenny Galladay wants to do and what Daniel Jones is good at, throwing the ball downfield, getting your your receivers into man coverage um, situations where they can make plays because when you have a 6'4 receiver, and last year the Giants were basically being – opponents were playing cover one, cover zero. They were blitzing a lot. Offensive line could not handle it because imagine like you have Andrew Thomas, they're running stunts and – and sending linebackers and safeties off the edge. You, they, he just couldn't stop them. They were just being overwhelmed by, by uh, blitzers. Yeah. They were manning up across the board. Receivers could not get any separation. Now you have guys like Kadarius Tony. You leave Kadarius Tony one-on-one against a linebacker or a slot corner, he will break their ankles. You leave Kenny Galladay in, in a, against a smaller cornerback, he will, he will outjump them. You leave um, you know, Sterling Shepard, one of the best route runners in, in our division, he will, he will snap a cornerback two or three's ankles too. Like This is the type of talent that we have now. John Ross having Galladay, John Ross on the outsides and Darius Slayton, you have to play cover two at all times. You have to have two deep safeties, which takes a guy out of the box. So now you really are giving your quarterback more opportunity because there's not an extra blitzer. There's another guy in the deep safety. So you have more hole shots on the sides. You have more room in the middle of the field where Kadarius Tony operates. Sterling Shepard will move into the slot. Evan Ingram's going to attack the seams. This scheme is going yeah. to get better. This offense will be better. It's just a matter of execution and maximizing the talent you have, which is why we have all these coaches. So that's kind of like, all the research that I, I, what I've discovered from the research yeah. I've seen and I've, I've done. And it, it's, if in my head, I, the way I envision it, we're going to have a good offense next year. It's funny. All those points are 100% correct. Um, but you forgot to mention Barkley out of all of those. He's kind of like the overlooked guy, unfortunately, but nobody really remember. I don't know what it is. I saw him get ranked here the eighth best running back in football. Not saying that I, you know, I get upset over it, but like this guy is the best player in football when healthy, and I don't even really think that's a debate. 
I mean, going back to his rookie year, he had 2K-plus yards with ease with basically an incompetent quarterback. Never yeah. played an NFL snap before and made it look easy. Um, unfortunately, since then, he's had some injuries to his own fault or not. He's took some pretty unfortunate shots. But if this guy comes back, I, I'm still on the idea of leaning on him to get to take us as far as he could get. Um, he's a every down back. He's a kill you in the pass game, through the tackles, home run hitter, and he really makes the margin of error throughout a game a little bit smaller just because, you know, he could get six at any moment in time. And I just hope yeah. that he really comes back to that rookie season and he'll, he'll, he'll do wonders for us. But you, you know what, though, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but isn't the whole idea of having these great players to make the offense easier for Daniel Jones? I mean, when Daniel Jones is by himself, like he's, like he's been really the last two years, you know, Sterling Shepard's the best receiver on the team. He's number one. He's always hurt anyway. So then you got Darius Slayton, a fifth, uh, fifth round pick who's, who's, you know, we hit on Darius Slayton. He's, he's good. He's a good player, nothing special, but the whole idea of, of having all these skill players is to make it make life easier on Daniel Jones. I don't, we don't need Jones to throw for 350 and four touchdowns. The giants are not going to win football games like that. He's not Mahomes. He's not Rogers. We don't need him to be, but if he's the, you know, 13th to 17th, 16th best quarterback in football. And he's not, you know, turning the ball over and he throws 24 touchdowns and, and nine picks. Then I think the giants are going to be in really good position in the end of the year to make the, you know, make the playoffs. I don't need 35 touchdowns as much as I want it. I have, I don't think Jones is the guy to go throw 35 touchdowns. I hope to God I'm wrong. And I hope he is, but you know, he doesn't need to be, you know, if Jones is playing good football, and smart football, the Giants are running the rock with Saquon and, you know, trying to take the pressure off him. You don't put the ball in his hands to throw 45 times. So he can't turn the ball over that much. To me, that makes the most sense. Run the ball, you know, short intermediate routes. And when, the, when it's there, take your shot downfield to your 6'4 receiver and Kenny Galladay. That's, that's how you win football games if you're the Giants this year, in my opinion. I, I think, yeah, you're right. And Eric, like, I want to, I want to, you know, go back to your point about Saquon because I completely missed him and his impact. And like, yeah. when you're looking at Saquon, you have a player who demands attention, right? Like I look yeah. back to the game that we had against uh, the Cleveland Browns and they have Kareem Hunt, right? And there was a play I saw specifically where Kareem Hunt's, they're playing shotgun. And I see Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan both looking at Kareem Hunt. They're both spying on Kareem Hunt. And because they're both spying on him, they accidentally let Austin Hooper, you know, their tight end, get open on, on the left side of the field, and he ends up catching a pass for like 15 yards. That just right. the attention that your a defense has to allocate toward a player like Kareem Hunt and Saquon Barkley causes confusion. It opens up the field for your other playmakers. So just him, his presence alone, even if he's not even being targeted at all, just his presence is going to take attention away from other players. It's going to just add that next level of element to create confusion and help this offense yep. succeed. And then the other point that I want to make is the last time Saquon had a number one receiver on his team, he, had, he ran for over 2,000 all-purpose yards. You know what I mean? Yep. OBJ and Saquon. The second OBJ left that team, Saquon struggled considerably. The injuries started to happen. They started to rely yep. on him more. He started to try and pick things up, trying to put too much on his shoulders. Then the injury started. Now I think you have a lot more weapons. You can use them strategically, take that weight, that slack away, you know, off his shoulders. And I think now you can finally see him get back to what he's good at. And I don't think this ACL tear is going to be a significant thing because look at Dalvin Cook. He returned. Guy's an absolute stud. Adrian Peterson returned. Yeah. Absolute stud. These guys like pretty much get brand new ACLs and are totally fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too yeah. worried about it. 
I think that not too worried about the benefit of Saquon actually getting hurt is all this time off could kind of maybe heal him mentally when it comes to, you know, kind of like the Odell aspect. Remember when we got him, he was a rookie. He was all over in your face, off the field antics, sideline antics that really we didn't like. And that's maybe part of the reason why he was gone. Um, once those injuries started to, you know, take a toll on his body, I think his mental changed and his personality even off the field. And whether that ended up to help him on the field or not, we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen Odell really succeed since those injuries. But I think Barkley could kind of maybe adapt a, a new type of game from where he's been and maybe, you know, just be more successful. I know that a lot of times he was trying to do it all week after week. He was running into lines and getting no yards and had a game against the Jets yeah. with one yard. And we all know that that's not what he's capable of. He's capable of being a top one or two player in football. And I just hope that maybe this time off, he could maybe understand how to do that from a, maybe a gap scheme or what he's going to do with the ball when he gets it, um, whether it's, you know, in the running game or in the passing game. I just hope that he adapts more, more tools since all the time he's had off. Alex, let me, let me talk to – let me speak to what Eric was talking about. Let me know what you think about this. I always say to Eric that I think the Giants need to use Saquon more like Alvin Kamara as they do Derrick Henry. And that's – I always preach this – I don't want to go give Saquon Barkley 35 rushing touches. I don't need to. To me, you know, it gets too obvious. The Giants aren't the most creative team in football when it comes to getting their skill guys the ball. In my opinion, if I get Saquon his 8 to 10 targets and his 15 to 17 rushes a game, to me, that, that's the way to go. I mean, you look at Alvin Kamara. Honestly, I think Alvin Kamara in the receiving game is probably the most dominant player in football. When Drew Brees is there, they can't even, you can't even touch them every game. That's why I draft them in fantasy every year. Every, every game, I got 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. If the Giants can, can you know, move Saquon around the formation, they don't even move him around that much. Like, when is the last time that you see Saquon split out wide just so, you know, a safety or a corner is on him? Like, what is he, what's this guy doing out here? To me, that makes sense. And they just they try to run him like he's Walter Payton when he's more Alvin Kamara. And that's the way he doesn't need 35 touches a game to be one of the most dominant players in football. Kamara, I, Kamara doesn't get 25, 30 touches a game. He gets his 15 to 17 and he's one of the best players in football. That's what they need to do with Saquon, in my opinion. I think that you are 100% right. I think that the Giants should be using him like Kamara or Dalvin Cook because they both extremely proficient in the receiving game. And I've been begging, yeah. I've been saying this for months, if not years, that the Giants have always underutilized Saquon in the receiving game. The guy has great always. hands. There's one pass that I remember against Washington where he completely rocks Landon Collins and he, and he beats him up the seam and he, and he scores on it. And I'm like, Oh, that one. I'm like, and, and there's another one. There's a couple that he has downfield that he makes some nice. There's a one-handed, one-handed one too. I, That's what I thought yeah. you were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one too. I mean, you just throw both of those out there. Like we know he can do it, but they just don't let him do it. And it's like, that's what pisses me off the most. It's like, you have a player who can do this, but you're not maximizing the potential. You don't have the coaches scheming it. And now the Giants finally have the coaching coaching staff to finally like realize the potential of these guys. But I think you're spot on. The Giants need to get guys like Saquon and Kadarius Tony into space. You know, they have to get these guys into space, let them make moves, let them utilize the open field to, you know, make their moves and, and break people's ankles because that's the, the best. Like when you're running Saquon inside zone, pounding the rock inside, you're not going to get the best out of Saquon. You're going to get him injured. And that's what they did. They got him injured both yeah. times, the high ankle sprain, um, you know, and then obviously like he, he's trying to do too much. He's getting, he's getting like all that weight on him from Eddie Jackson, you know, on his, on his knee. And it was just a freak accident. Yeah. It happens. 
Um, but I would love to see them utilize more of a screen game, get him into space, get some blockers in front of him. They didn't do it enough. They did against that. Remember that running out against the Eagles on that screen? And uh, I think it was crazy years ago. He went all the way. Yeah. Leaving yeah. and then he's rocking people left and right. He's shrugging people off. And I'm like, that's what Saquon does in the open field. Why the hell are we not getting him in the open field? Why are we running him inside crazy. the zone? Why are we not getting him into a position where he can maximize those talents? And that it's just, it's baffling to me that these NFL coaches cannot figure that out. And then meanwhile, we're sitting here on a podcast being like, we saw, we like, we have the examples. Like, why not just replicate yeah. it? Go steal, uh, um, you know, New Orleans playbook. And another thing that I will add to that, <clears throat> why I like the Devontae Booker signing is that, well, maybe it's a little bit too expensive, but I like it for one reason is that the Giants always needed to get Saquon Barkley, a big, heavy, a heavier running back, someone who can get those short yardage guys that inside zone can pound the rock for that one, two yards and get the first downs. That's what the, the Saints have with Latavius Murray. They do the Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara combo. They have Murray yeah. running those short yardage stuff, taking that, that wear and tear on his body. Alvin Kamara stays fresh, stays available in the open field, stays healthy. And that's, that's all she wrote. You know, that's all you need. The Giants put too much pressure on Saquon and he got injured because of it. And I, and I, I actually think that's why it, ha- it happened. Like they just, this whole scheme was supposed to go around Saquon last year. Yeah. The guy first week of the season got completely just destroyed by, by Pittsburgh. Yeah. They, they knew what was coming. Yeah. The Giants were just running over and over and over. They couldn't stop it. Um, and I think, you know, you, you hit it on the head, man. That was, that's exactly how I feel too. That, that, but that kind of scares me about Kadarius Tony, though, right? Because this is not a guy who's a Kenny Galladay where, you know, you're just going to throw him 10 targets a game and that's it. Kadarius Tony needs every – number one, he's almost has to be on the field every play because per, just like the Percy Harvin thing, he needs to be getting direct snaps or he needs to be getting, you know, handoffs or pitches or, or jet sweeps, end around, stuff like that. And the Giants have never been great at, at getting, you know, utility guys the football. You see these jet sweeps with, with Sterling Shepard. Like, I know he scored one on the Dallas game, but come on. He's not a, he's not a burner. He's a, good, he's a good route runner, but he's not a burner. That's not a guy you give a jet sweep to. So, like, it scares me a little bit with Tony. Obviously, he's not the traditional wide receiver that's just going to go get his 10, 12 targets a game. But, you know, they just have to find ways to get their skill guys the football, and they haven't done that in the past few years. I think, uh, I mean, I think everyone's hitting on some good good spots here, but another topic that I want to speak on, which I think is very important and also a huge question mark, is still this young, growing offensive line. And it's something that's been a project here in New York for probably five-plus years. And I just want to know what you guys are thinking as far as strengths or weaknesses with the guys that we have. Obviously, we didn't allocate any draft capital or really a lot of money this free agency towards the offensive line. Last year we did. The year before that we did. So what, what are you guys thinking from a, an online perspective? Because it's extremely important. Alex, take us away. Yeah, look, I might be the only person in the entire Giants fan base that thinks that the offensive line is actually going to be better. A lot of people are very, very bearish. On we got two out. more here, by the way. Oh, you, so you too. So you guys. I think everything's going to be better. I think everything's good. I think we're going to the Super Bowl. Is that your – Okay. Is, I think the bias is coming out with you. Go ahead. The, bi- the bias is here, but for good reason. And I have, I have actually <laughs> reasons for, for the way I think sometimes. So this one specifically, um, I actually believe that the offensive line is going to take a step forward for a variety of reasons. And the main ones that half of our guys were either injured or had COVID last year. Andrew Thomas had an injury the entire season. His left, his left ankle, he got surgery immediately. As this, as the second of the season, he got surgery on it. And he got it during training camp. Left guard, Will Hernandez, caught COVID and was injured. His trainer told us that, that he was injured. 
Nick Gates, first year center. He actually looked great at the second half of the year. So I was happy about that. Shane Lemieux, yep. the right guard spot. That's the one I'm very concerned about. I never liked the idea of letting go of Zeitler um, and Shane Lemieux and Zach Fulton. I don't trust either of those guys. I will say this though. Shane Lemieux has been going to training camp. He's, he's going to voluntary practice. He's the first one in the door before 6am uh, with Jonathan Harrison. I think that that says something to me about his work ethic. Hopefully it'll translate to a better performance. Right tackle. I think Matt Parrott tangibly has all the talent in the world. He can get it done. He just needs more experience. I think Nate Solder's a good stopgap to help rotate those guys in and see and ease him into play. And also just in-person training, preseason, not having a preseason, having a new scheme, having to learn a scheme virtually without applying it to the field. The first time they applied it in an actual game was week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers' number one defense. Talk about baptism by fire. I think all of these different factors, including the injuries, COVID, not having in-person training, new scheme. Now they have experience, in-person training, fresh health, um, COVID, you know, they're all vaccinated, so they're good. I think all those reasons yeah. combined justifies to me that we're going to see a better product on the field. And I, and I think the, the Giants think that too, right? Or else, you know, they may not be traded back and they're allocating that 11th pick to, to Rashawn Slater or they're allocating that, you know, that even if they do trade back, they take another, you know, tackle or, or right guard to fill in for Zeitler. So I think that it seems that the Giants are, are pretty comfortable with their offensive line. I know a lot of Giants nation, I, I know you see it, I see it on Twitter. People are freaking out and, you know, they did the same thing with free agency with free, when free agency hit, you know, two days in, we didn't sign anybody. People are going nuts. So like um, I, with the offensive line, I think that they need to improve vast, like, like big time. Like, you know, it's time, you know, we invested some, some solid draft capital in Andrew Thomas and, and the other guys, the developmental guys, they need to really develop. And I think that we have the coaching staff in place to do that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, look, here's my outlook on the offensive line, and it's pretty, it's pretty concise and to the point. It's still not good enough with the quarterback that yeah. we have, to be completely honest. I mean, if we had Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, then, yeah, the offensive line is good enough. But what Andrew Thomas did last year, I know he was hurt. I know we didn't have an offseason. But we spent the fourth overall draft pick on him to be an all-pro type talent, you know, gold jacket guy. Edelman even said it. Um, you look to the right side of the offensive line, you have Matt Pert, you're going to bring Nate Solder back. The, the production there is, is not strong enough. Um, our best guy was Zeitler. He's gone. Uh, Nick Gates is good. He's a good attitude guy to have, but is, is he that, you know, is he a proven center in the NFL? Um, Will Hernandez has kind of been on the decline since, you know, we drafted him really. And I don't doubt that we can get better over the years. And, you know, this young offensive line is going to mesh. And I think that's super important when it comes to offensive line. I mean, look at the two Super Bowls that we had. It's pretty much those same five guys throughout the entire season. And if they're going to do that, if, if Joe Judge is going to get in there and, and figure out a plan to really protect Jones and open holes for running games and open up play action, and deep progressions downfield, the only way that's going to work is if this offensive line takes a huge step from last year. And we could talk about Kenny Galladay. We could talk about Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, Jones. It yeah. it, it, it's not going to matter. We all know this, how important an offensive line is. And, you know, Gettleman's the first one to tell you that. And um, yeah. he's been putting pretty good insight to it. But um, unfortunately, I, we could talk football for hours, it seems like. But uh, yeah. the room's only on the 40-minute thing. But um, yeah, we, try, we try to keep it short so we can yeah. continue to do this. Uh, Alex, if you wanted to give any final thoughts, I mean, we sincerely appreciate you hopping on, and we hope we could do it again. But uh, what do you want to tell the viewers? Yeah, man, I would love to. Yeah, great conversation. Like, 
probably some of the best I've had, you know, going on other uh, podcasts. Definitely is a, it's fun to talk with fans who are objective, but also like love this team. You know, that's, that's the best part about being like a realistic fan. Um, And I think all the points you just made on the offensive line were were spot on. We need like, look what happened to Pat Mahomes that last, that Super Bowl game without offensive line, he became an average quarterback. You need to have an offensive line for your quarterback to become above average, to be that good. So I appreciate you guys having me on as always, Eric and Jesse, man. It was, it was awesome to be here and I'm I'm open to come back anytime you guys want. Just let me know. I'm always happy to talk, especially when the season starts with me, a lot of stuff to talk about. So I really appreciate it. Um, I'll see you guys on Twitter, obviously. Take that. <laughs> yes, sir. Alex, Alex Wilson, appreciate you coming on, brother. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on here real soon. Peace. Peace, boys. I'll have this, I'll Peace, have this up for you to see. I'll send you all the information yep. after this. We'll get it going. Sounds good. Have a good night, bro. Go Knicks. Go Knicks. You too. Go yeah, go Knicks. Go Knicks. We got a big game Sunday. coming up. Let's yes, get it. Yes, sir. I'm hyped. Yes, sir. See you guys. <laughs> Peace out, guys.